Our next guest, next topic, is talking about the specialized treatment of cartilage defects and Dr. Cole tissue transplantation. What's new? It's constantly evolving, isn't it? You know, we, we've uh, been very fortunate. We've been doing, we've done cartilage transplants in some fashion since really the early 80s, at least fresh grafts, but there's a long history. Early of using 80s. Non, yeah. Long history of using non-fresh grafts, which are, you know, these are the same people who donate their heart, liver, lungs, and so forth. They're called living donors. Yep. Uh, that unfortunately have been, you know, traumatic a traumatic uh, event that leads ultimately to their death, but harvest within a certain amount of time. And it, it we've been doing sort of the fresh stuff for a bit, but in the past we there were frozen grafts and so forth. But it it's had a lot of exciting change. And what's really interesting is that in the area of cartilage research, we've had all these new evolutionary techniques, but there's been this one standby, which is to use other people's cartilage and bone to replace damaged cartilage and bone in a, in a patient or recipient. So it's been pretty exciting. Got a great great guest on with us, uh, the Senior Medical Director for Source and the Medical Director of JRF Ortho, Dr. Ross Wilkins, joining us from Denver, Colorado this morning. Dr. Ross, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Fantastic. Well, tell us what's new in cartilage transplantation in your eyes. Well, Brian's exactly right. I mean, we did our first sighted my first osteochondral transplant, a, a joint transplant in 1983 at the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> and wow. that was, uh, that was um, uh, essentially a, a donor, and we stuck it in the freezer and hoped the cells were alive. But the evolution has been um, a, a bit slow, but, but more recently very dramatic. And um, so, so essentially we can replace the articular cartilage of a recipient with, let's say, the cartilage of an 18-year-old or a 25-year-old, normal cartilage. Uh, and it is, it is an actual transplant. Uh, the good news is there's no rejection or anything because of the anatomy and the location. So it's really most, one of the most gratifying surgeries that we can accomplish. So it's, um, and, and, the, and the future is, is, is quite um, exciting about what we're going to be able to do in the future with these new cartilage products. What, what, what are, I know that you work with JRF and uh, Allosaurus, and I've seen some really exciting things. Maybe uh, tell us a little bit about, like, in the last couple of years, we've seen some new types of graphs, flexible graphs, longer shelf lives, things like that. What are some of the things that come to mind that you've seen that have been particularly interesting? Yeah, I think I think one of the uh, limiting factors currently uh, with living cartilage grafts is that we actually store the grafts um, in a in a cell medium. They're 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 alive, they stay alive, uh, but there's a limit to how long we can keep them alive, and that's around uh, 28 days or so. So the cartilage needs to be transplanted during that time. Uh, there's a fair amount of research now going on looking to extend that time. Uh, there's also research and a lot of work going on to get the graphs earlier so that we can we can expand the time the graphs are available. Um, the other issue is, frankly, there's just so many people um, in this country that pass away that have cartilage that can be transplanted, that's healthy enough. Um, so there's sort of a limited supply. And uh, we're working very hard on expanding that supply using um, uh, various methods, not only with the organ procurement agencies, but with storage 
and um, and other techniques. Uh, we've also done a huge amount of work on um, preserving these graphs using freezing. You've all heard of cryopreservation, and we've developed a, a thinner graft, uh, a bone cartilage graft, um, that be, can be cryopreserved up to two years, so it's in the freezer. You don't have to wait. You don't go on a waiting list. Um, it's, it's quite early, but we're very excited about that technique as well. Visiting with Dr. Ross Wilkins from Denver, Colorado, our topic, the specialized treatment of cartilage defects. Doc Wilkins is the senior medical director for L-Source and the medical director for JRF Ortho. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at his Sports Medicine Weekly. Question for both you doctors. Uh, let's explain to our uh, listeners how they're used, how these graphs are used. I'm amazed 28 days. Wow. Yeah, I mean, th- that's actually work that we did at uh, uh, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush where we looked at the cell viability, the number of living cells day by day, and we found that it reached some critical threshold in fresh grafts by 28 days. So now most try to get these grafts in within that uh, shorter time frame just to make sure it's the healthiest graft possible. But just to give a brief overview, we use these grafts, and they're not all cartilage. We use ligament grafts to reconstruct ACLs. We use it for reconstructions of uh, failed soft tissue procedures. Patients who have knee replacements sometimes rupture their quad tendon or their patella tendon that need to have, uh, we'll use an Achilles tendon, for example, from a donor. So we use soft tissue grafts. We use cortical bone. We use bone that's been treated in a way just to preserve the growth factors. The whole donor tissue industry has completely revolutionized what we can do for our patients. And it also has a, you know, a relatively uh, important regulatory pathway that allows new products to come to market in a pretty efficient way that have been proven to be safe. So I will say that it's, it's probably something that on a, there isn't a day of surgery that I don't use some type of soft tissue graft that comes from someone else. Ross, Doc, can you expand Ross, on that? Ross, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I agree 100%. In this, this year, there'll probably be 3 million um, uh, tissue allografts done in the United States uh, from donor uh, tissue. And it, and it really has dramatically expanded the ability for surgeons to rebuild the tissues. You know, artificial parts are okay, but they really don't last very long. Um, and if you use the naturally occurring equipment, frankly, um, to replace anatomically what's missing, it makes infinite sense. And it also works very well. So it's, it's just, a, as I mentioned, it's, it's one of the best operations we do because you're replacing what's lost with the exact tissue, um, and, and it matches, uh, and it works very well. So it's, it's really a, a, a wonderful sort of ultimate recycling, if you will, uh, especially it gives these families that have had this tragic uh, incident of losing a loved one, it gives them a chance to see something positive in this. Um, and uh, as an example, one, one donor um, uh, can, can benefit up to 300 recipients with, wow. with uh, tissue grafts and things. So it really is a great thing. And, and, uh, and Brian and his group have been um, very helpful in exploring and expanding these indications. That's an amazing stat. One donor can help 300 that's amazing. It really is. Hey, great stuff, Dr. Ross Wilkins. Really appreciate you joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Well, great. Nice talking with you. All righty. And when we come back here on the show, it's our staple, the Ask the Doctor segment. We'll tell you all about it, how you can get involved. Questions this week again for Dr. Brian Cole. Stay with us. It's Sports Medicine Weekly. On 670, The Score.